Okay, everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Welcome, Peter. Welcome, Doug. This week, we are going to be doing uh, John Milius's 1982 Conan the Barbarian. Uh, before we get down to brass tacks, a couple of things. Uh, please uh, feel free to um, email us at popcorndrinkcombo at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter with that handle. Um, and uh, again, if you email us and suggest a podcast to us, we can give you a shout out on the air. Um, and obviously, we'd love it if you could give us a review on iTunes. Uh, Peter, we're going back to early Schwarzenegger. Very early. This is the movie that kind of made him, kind of made him famous. I mean, I guess maybe he's most known for the Terminator. But. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, this is kind of I think would put him in the public eye as not just a bodybuilder. Certainly, it wasn't right. Hercules in New York. That was that was one I think he'd rather have forgotten. No, this is a big hit movie. Yeah, and and it's a good movie, I think. But we'll, and we'll he's get good. In we'll it. get into it. Actually. He he's he's good in it in almost every way. There's, yeah. there's one way that he's not so good in it, but we'll get to that. Um, do you want to do the uh, the synopsis? That's uh, way too complicated. <laughs> well, it's, it's a fantasy <laughs> story about a barbarian uh, that basically has a terrible upbringing and raised as a slave and ends up as a gladiator, and then from being a gladiator, gladiator he heads out sort of to explore the world and to get revenge on the cult leader who killed his parents um, and who started him on this kind of, you know, terrible path uh, for, for his early life. Who's And the villain is uh, James Earl Jones, looking very stern um, in, his, in his scenes. And he meets some companions along the way, and they form a little band, and then he sort of ascends to kind of success and gets his revenge in the end so um before we go further i guess i have to ask have you read a lot of conan i read some of it real like i mean we're talking about i was probably you know 13 14 years old <clears throat> you know i mean the 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 books uh by robert howard were were written in the 30s long time ago yeah so they're they're pre they're way before our time, right? And then there was a kind of like a um, a fantasy revival, like maybe in the '60s and '70s and '80s. Um, that I guess people probably went back and, and read um, the sort of proto fantasy stuff, like like Conan. And then you know there was a whole and well, I mean, there's the Lord of the Rings too, which is fairly early, but. Um, you know, there was a sort of a rebirth. So I, I probably read the second wave of mm. stuff more, but I know I read at least some of it. Um, but I wasn't like, I don't remember being a huge fan. So, so, you know, I was really more of a sci-fi kid than a fantasy kid. I read very little fantasy compared to you, but about 10 years ago, I had a, as you know, I had a back injury. Um, and when I had my back injury, I was literally flat on my back for about, 10 days and then for the next month or two months really every minute i could possibly be flat on my back i was and you know there's not a lot to do when you're flat on your back except read and i started reading a lot of uh the conan novels uh, some written by robert e howard and some written by the people who kind of took it over and then i really started reading 
the Savage Sword of Conan. Do you remember that from when we were kids? I kind of do. I think that, but when you read those books, it was also part of your um, your fantasy sword play physical rehab um, program. <laughs> Out in the yard, injury. swinging my my <laughs> steel. Right. So, but so the Savage Sword of Conan is uh, a series of, sort yes, of graphic comics. adventures, but they're not technically they're not comics, and and it's an interesting distinction because I remember when we were kids and we used to go to four forty one bargain books and look through the old magazines and paperbacks, they had them there, and they're in magazine form, and because they're in magazine form, they were exempt from the comics code, and right. they could have very graphic violence. <laughs> and sexual content. I remember a joke name that somebody, I can't remember who, but came up with for the, the magazine. <laughs> it, it wasn't Savage Sword of Conan. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but, I remember that now, now that you say that, because it basically was a little on the it was very racy, racy side. Yeah, they're very racy. But so now the Savage Sword of Conan, you know, it's it went on for like 20 something years and they have been collected in volumes. I'm not. I'm not making this up. The volumes of these these graphic novels or comics, whatever you want to call them, are 500 pages each. Hmm. And I think that when I was recovering from my back injury, I think I read 10 of them. So I've I've absorbed a lot of Conan. You read Five thousand pages. Of I think Conan I think I read novels. I think I read ten issues, like ten of the bound volumes of the Savage Sword of Conan. You could read one in about three four hours, you know. But I was laying on my back all day long. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty familiar with with Conan and this movie, uh, written by the way by Oliver Stone. Um, it is Oliver Stone and John Milius. I know the director, um, right? And what they kind of do is they, and we'll touch on this as we talk. They, it's kind of a little bit of Conan's greatest hits, and they take a lot of like the big, big themes that occur throughout the Conan stories, and they sort of boil them down to their essence. And there's a little bit of Call the Conqueror in here, which is another Robert E. Robert E. Howard character that they borrow from a little bit, but it's mostly. Conan, although they changed the origin story. But anyway, so I don't know. Like I didn't read any Conan at all till I was an adult, and then sort of in a in a period of a couple of months, I read an awful lot of Conan, and I just found that I really liked it. Um, and Conan in the comics is portrayed uh, at various ages. Like the stories skip around. He's he's an adolescent. He's an adult. He's in. He's a much older man. Like they will shift back and forth in time from issue to issue to just show different points in Conan's life, which is, I think, also interesting. But anyway, so to get back to the movie, um, uh, I like John Milius. Like I, I, I think that, I mean, talk about a guy who's had a great career. Uh, wrote the first two Dirty Harry movies. Wrote Apocalypse Now. Uh, directed this. Directed Red Dawn. Um, a really interesting career. Flight yeah, of the I, Intruder. Right, I think, you know, even more known as a screenwriter, right? But um, Yeah, directed, only really a director later in his career. Right, and um, he went back to screenwriting, I think. And I then sort reading. of also known, uh, and again, we, we don't usually make political comments on the podcast, but known for his conservative views, which he felt hurt him in Hollywood. He very publicly was a conservative um, have you seen uh, the Big Lebowski? I assume you have. Yeah. 
the John Goodman character is based on John Milius. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an awesome thing, by the way. Um, and uh, it, it looks like, you know, from I, I did some reading online, it looks like people have been trying to bring Conan to the screen for about a decade before they actually were able to do this. And the rights right. passed back and forth, and people came and went. And uh, in the end... De Laurentiis got a hold of it and had money and ability and pushed it through. Yeah, and I guess De Laurentiis had had some big ups and big downs prior to this and was looking for something that was very bankable that he could sell and and really know he could make some money on, apparently. And that was part of his interest in the project. And apparently uh, Schwarzenegger was attached as early as 79. He was committed to the project. And they made him sign that he would do 12 sequels, and he couldn't do any other fantasy work while he was committed to the Conan works. He could do, he could do other kinds of movies, but no, no swords and sword play. Yeah, it said when I was reading that they paid so, him $250,000 as a retainer. And they only went on to make one more, which uh, we didn't, we're not gonna, I don't think we're going to touch on it much. Um, what did you think of the opening where you see the sword being forged, and then his father gives him a speech about what he can trust in life? Namely, only steel and not people. <laughs> right. What a uh, message from your dad, by the way. Not men, not women, not beasts. Right. Um, yeah, not... Um, yeah, I mean, he couldn't really trust anything. And that sort of turned out to be true, right? I mean, they, mostly, mostly. sold into slavery for most of his life, right? Sure. Um, it's very well filmed. You know, it's, it's only... The opening scene is only really lit by the the glowing steel like they're in the dark except for the light being radiated by the sword that the father is working on it's a terrific opening right and you know the opening seems long when you watch it it's about it's a little less than two minutes that's it all that whole sequence and uh i guess at this point you're introduced to the basil polidorus uh score uh, which we should spend a few minutes talking about at some point so they they change conan's origin story for this in the comic Conan uh, is a Sumerian, and he's he's brought up. He's born on a battlefield, and he's brought up as a warrior. And when Conan is fifteen, he fights in combat, and then is uh, stricken by wanderlust, and then leaves Samaria to wander. Uh, Robert E. Howard's Hyborian age. Whereas in this, they make up the story of his village being sacked and his family being killed, which is not in the comic, but. It's an explanation, I guess, for why he gets so muscular, because he spends, you know, 20 years pushing the wheel of pain in a circle. Right. They don't actually explain what that thing's doing either, but I guess it doesn't matter. I, I assumed it was a mill. I guess. But yeah, I assumed it was it a mill. Doing, it must be doing something underground. I mean, the thing is like, you know, it was right. massive. And then Drilling it's funny, for oil. As, he get, right, as he gets more... Um, uh, maybe it's making that like body part soup that he puts he pushes over <laughs> later. He's it's stirring the soup. No, he. Um, it's funny because in the beginning it's a bunch of kids, and then as they show him like growing up over the over like a one minute sequence, and then he ends up being the massive Arnold, who's only like you know seven or eight years past his Mister Universe stage. Um, it it's only him. It's just Arnold pushing the wheel around by himself. Yeah, uh, and and the ruts in the ground are very deep, you know, right. like like this is 20 years of work or whatever. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, it, it, right from the beginning, you know, from the opening scene with his dad to the sacking of the village to him as a slave, you know, they are telegraphing to you very early in the film that 
like this is based on a on a fantasy novel that's been made into comics, but they're not going to treat it in a very lighthearted manner. Like there's some humor in the movie, but it takes itself about as seriously as the material can. Uh, and it doesn't, you know, this movie does not pull any punches, not literally or figuratively. No, and, you know, it, the movie has a feel, it kind of feels almost like a fantasy version of a spaghetti western in some ways. Like, mm. it, it's it's a little, a, a little bit um, cheesy in that way, but at the same time, it it's true to itself, and it, it's earnest in a, in a way. And so it, it, it's able to pull that off. Um, well, and and Conan is presented in a way that he's not supposed to be stupid. He's just supposed to be ignorant. Like he's literally learning about the world for the very first time. Right. And they, they really hustle that along. But uh, they sort of compress a lot of you know, the beginning of the movie. You know, the first, you know, 20, 25 years are, are pretty are pretty compressed. They're sort of show, it's like cliff note version of what happens to him. But it's done pretty well. And they have to sort of show that he, he's incredibly deprived, but he's talented. So he can kind of like when he gets into a situation where he he's capable of advancing and learning, he does very quickly. Right. He's, he's unsophisticated, sort of but not stupid. Yeah. He's and he's really talented. So he's able to kind of surpass others physically and, and mentally in some ways. And strategically. they. they and they, you know, the whole movie is just one of the great things about this movie is it's it's utter and complete lack of political correctness. Right. Well, I mean, I, I mean, don't think there was too much of it at that point. No, I know, but, but I mean, they could have. Well, there there was in some ways. For example, Conan the Destroyer, the sequel, is a much more cart. You know, it's only two years later, and it's a much more cartoony movie with a lot of sort of dumbed down violence and ridiculous humor. Whereas this, like the violence is violent and the fights look dangerous and, you know, guys are getting decapitated and limbs cut off and disemboweled. And, you know, in the comic, I mean, there isn't a page in the comic where Conan doesn't murder somebody. So it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's holding much, up a lot of heads. It's much more in the spirit of the comics or the books uh, than, for example, Conan the Destroyer. Uh, but it's good because it makes you believe in the world more if it looks like it's a violent and dangerous place. I mean, you know, there are some bits that Milius puts in the movie that, you know, they could have taken out, but they add a lot. And, and they're dark bits. And like, for example, the way that Conan is introduced to uh, women, you know, like they throw slave women in his cage when he's uh, when he's essentially a gladiator. And... Right. You know, after a second or two of showing that he's not horrible to them, he does nonetheless bed them. Right. <laughs> you know, like he puts the blanket around the girl and then right. he then he beds <laughs> right. her. Right. You know, like and it would be silly if he didn't. You know what I mean? Like right. this is the guy who's living minute to minute, second to second, fighting for his life every day. You know, what else are you going to do? Right. When they throw right. a slave girl into your into your cage. By the way, did you notice how they all stood and watched? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's really a funny, like, that's a clever bit that a lot of directors would have said, no, 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 it's too much. And Millius was like, do it, do it, do it. Well, they kind of, even the narrator refers to it as like they bred him to the finest, you know. Right, right. Whatever. Um, And I don't know. I, I mean, I think things like that make the movie good. And again, you know, 
if they had watered it down, you would have had Conan the Destroyer, which essentially ended the idea of this as a franchise. And this, you know, they got one truly good movie out of it. Um, um, and I think the other, you know, there's a couple of other key things that make this re- movie really good. One is James Earl Jones. One is Max von Sydow, who's really in one scene but does a good job of it. And yes. and I think you got to really call out Sandal Bergman, who plays uh, Valeria, who's terrific. You think? I thought she was one, the weakest thing in the movie because I think she was not a good actor. I think. Oh, she I did. mean, she's but she's a dancer in real life. I mean, they needed right. somebody big enough who could who could hold her own and run around and do this stuff with Arnie. And no, she you know, looks great. I think she's interesting because she's not like a classic beauty. You know, she's sort of an interesting looking woman. Um, I don't know. I think she's really good in this and, and she doesn't really take away from anybody else. She sort of, she adds to all the scenes she's in and she's a good counterpoint to him. You are no, no guard. He says when he sees her for the first time. <laughs> no, I mean, she looks good and she can move well, but she actually, I think, she says her lines in a more wooden way than Arnold does. Like Arnold's better as a better actor than she is. Yeah, no, that I'll give you, but she, but I think she's good. And I don't know. She's good to watch and she's good running around, you know, especially yeah. in that scene when they, when they tip over the, the, the cannibal soup and they sack the, the, when they, when they rescue uh, the King's daughter, she, that, I think that might be her best scene. You know, I read some interviews with her. She's pretty funny. Uh, and she said that um, she's six feet tall, but she never says that she's six feet tall. She says that she's five foot twelve. She's embarrassed <laughs> that she's so tall as a woman. And um, and she said that something similar to what Schwarzenegger said. She said that they were so big that they couldn't really find stunt doubles for them. So they did almost all of their own stunts. Uh, right. Uh, and they sort of bounced from injury to injury to injury. And then I right. saw an interview with Milius where Milius said that he knew the movie was going to be good because they kept getting hurt. And they were really, really putting themselves out there and huh. throwing themselves around and jumping off of rocks and swinging swords. And he said that's how he knew it would be good, that they kept having to have them see the doctor. And it did look good. I mean, I think it warms up. I, I mean, I'm not sure if they shot the first scene uh, earlier or not, or they just didn't get enough um, perspective shots. But the, the village invasion in the beginning is not as good as some of the later ones. Or maybe they just were trying to save money. There, it, it's, it's cut from a lot of mid-shots uh, together. And, but, you know, later, the, the battle scenes are very suspenseful and well done. And um, even, you know, the sort of they're all their little sneaking around in the palace-type scenes are really good. Um, it, it, yeah, it does look good. And, and the other thing, too, is it looks good because, A, they built sets, and, B, it's practical effects and even some of the practical effects that are obviously effects like for example yeah. the large snake that conan beheads is obviously a prop but it looks good and it moves well and you know there's obviously it's 82 there's no cgi in yeah. this movie but the practical effects for the most part work yeah the, i mean the only they they work really well the only one that gave me a little chuckle was the hand puppet vulture that's chewing on his peck uh that's <laughs> actually believe it or not that is uh uh half of a puppet and half of a dead vulture and <laughs> arnie actually bit it yeah. and uh they like they had to like take all these precautions because he was actually biting into an actual dead bird <laughs> man yeah it does look does look a little puppety i think i think the best effect shot in the movie is when thalsa dune transforms into the snake 
Yeah, they did a nice job with that. It looks it's cool. sort of it's sort of reminiscent or a little bit suggestive of uh, the transformation in American Werewolf in London, the way the face changes. Yeah, um, it looks better than Terminator Two when they spent eight trillion dollars. I don't know if I say it looks better than Terminator Two. <laughs> Terminator Two looks pretty goddamn good, but uh, I know. But it looks, but, you know, this is you know it, this is like Terminator Two is a whole decade away. Um, and you know, there's some really clever concepts in this. Like, for example, the way Thalsadun, you know, he's a bit of a, I mean, he's a wizard and he's a sorcerer, but like, for example, the way that he, he hypnotizes Conan's mother, like she has the sword drawn, ready to strike. And really, he essentially mesmerizes her so that he can decapitate her. You know, what's cool is that James Earl Jones is so good that when he's just staring at people, which is inherently kind of ridiculous because he just he stares at people. But he's so as he's so, he's really good. Like he's such a good actor that when he emotes like that and they show this close up of him staring at somebody, it actually is creepy because <laughs> <laughs> you think like, yeah, all right, buddy, you know, like they're not too many people right. that pull that off. And, you know, the the shot where he mesmerizes Conan's mother and kills her, you know, I think I don't know if there's a better way that they could have done it than the way that they did because it sets up the whole movie right there. Yep. You don't actually see her decapitated. You see her sort of head fall in a blur, and then she falls, and then Conan is left empty-handed. Yeah. And he's looking at Paul Sadoon, who just killed his parents. Yep. Uh, and it sets up the entire story for, and it, it and it sets up for the emotional payoff two hours later. Yep. When Conan kills Thal Sadoon, uh, and and the speech that Thalsadun makes to him at the end at the at the temple where he basically says, you know, I'm your father. Sort of, by the way, when when the guy who plays Darth Vader says he's your father, it's <laughs> sort of an interesting moment there. But he says, I'm your father, like in a real sort of way. I made you who you are. Like, you know, Conan can't argue. Like, he, he can't disagree. I mean, it doesn't stop him from, you know, whacking his head off with a broken sword uh, for, that they stole from his father. But, yeah. uh but it's just it's very, very well done, and it gives the movie the emotional payoff that it needs beyond just the battle in the desert. Right. So, you know, those sort of cheesy plot elements that are spaghetti western or kind of standard fantasy revenge decapitation, winging the head down the steps, all those things – they really pull it off and it really it's good it works it looks good it has an emotional payoff and you're right i think they set it up because the shot where conan sort of he doesn't when he's when he's a kid and his mother's murdered he doesn't realize exactly what's happening it takes him several seconds to realize and then his hand you know she slips out of his grasp like her right. hand as she dies falls over like and a like a log it's so sad and, uh, right, but again, it it also you know they set it up so that Thalsadun's death mirrors that of his mother. Like yeah. he's truly, he's truly coming full circle. Right. Um, other, I think, really good effects is or concepts. The idea that Thalsadun can make a snake into an arrow is a really good one. Yep. Um, I think that the scene where they revive Arnie after he's crucified on the Tree of Pain is a little hammy, but it sets up a big payoff down the road because Valerius says, um, you know, they, the Mako says to him, you know, there's going to be a price to be paid for this. And 
she understands that 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 price is her death right later on so when she's struck by the second time we see somebody shoot a snake as an arrow uh you know she's she's okay like she's made her deal and conan is alive and she saved him like it's again it 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 is internally consistent within the logic of the the movie and it makes the viewer feel like they're really getting some emotional bang for their buck. Yeah. Yep. Um, That's another and, cheesy scene that normally would be dumb. Exactly. But, you know, with the cheesy, you know, cheesy death scene, but it's, it, it really, it actually, you let it go and it pulls it, it pulls it off. And to, you know, to bring it back to, for example, the novels or the Savage Sword of Conan, there is a very, very consistent theme in the Conan books that the endings are always not so great. And for example, if Conan wins, there's always a loss built into the win. And if Conan loses, and in some of the books and, and, and graphic novels, Conan fails in his primary objective, but he ekes out enough of a win as a lining to sort of keep him going. And here he is able to defeat Thulsa Dune, but Valeria dies. Right. And that's very, very much in keeping with the way the, the books and, and comics work. Even to this day, like for example, there's, I think there's still active ongoing Conan comics that I've looked at a couple of times in the comic shop and they still sort of adhere to that logic. And for example, they even allude to this uh, in the film where, in, in the books and in the comics, one of Conan's big goals is he wants to be king, especially he wants to be king of Aquilonia. And in one of the in one of the books, he actually does become king of Aquilonia as a much older man. And it's this huge thing. It's like, you know, this enormous long story. And he finally becomes king of Aquilonia. And then right at the end of the at the end of the story, he is approached by all the king's ministers saying, well, how do you want to run the country? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't know, you know, because he has no knowledge of, of being a, a governor or governing people like he knows nothing. So he finally achieved his lifelong goal of being king of Aquilonia. And now what? Sort of a la Robert Redford and the candidate. The exact same idea. Right. Um, a la Arnold Schwarzenegger when he became governor of California. <laughs> he was an OK governor. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> to make another political comment. It's By the way, funny. just before we go anywhere, have you read? Arnie's autobiography. No, but I really want to read it because it's fascinating. It's I know I've re- I've heard about it. So I it's really... called Total Recall, and he should have called it "It's All True" because yeah. he basically says everything you heard about me is true. I did steroids, right? You know, uh, I cheated on Rita Shriver. The, the the kid with the maid really is mine. Like everything is true. It's yeah. really really good. Um, so the one of the I think the only thing I don't like about this movie, and it is truly the only thing, because I'm a big fan of this movie, is is I like the 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 guards who taught Conan to speak as he walked around the wheel of pain. They must have been from Austria because he sounds really Austrian. <laughs> like like you know his accent is really thick, and like for example, whenever he's fighting, there's a lot of yeah, go, yeah, like I can't even do it, but like he he sounds Austrian when he when he grunts and screams. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know what? He sounds the same as he did at the end of his film career. Like I don't think his accent ever changed. I mean, that the guy just he's it's, got an Austrian uh, accent. His English got a lot better. His English got a lot better. Well, so he was so Conan was supposed to be the narrator of the film, and they recorded him doing the narration and they said, Oh God, we can't do it. Right. And that's why they brought in Mako 
to do the narration. And, and they, they purposely gave Schwarzenegger as few lines as possible. And he practiced them over and over and over and over and over. I read one account that said that he practiced each line like in rehearsal not just in his dressing room, but in real rehearsal, like 40 times before they would let him deliver a line because his accent was so thick. And I, I think they were really worried that people wouldn't accept, uh, you know, a big star or, well, I don't know about big with this movie. It did turn out to be fairly big, but accept this sort of central hero as, you know, having this very thick accent. I just, I think they were worried. But then in the end, people accepted him fine. Well, and right, and and he's he comes off in the end as sort of an endearing guy. Like you watch him, you know, murder and maim and kill for two hours, and then at the end, you, you kind of like the guy. <laughs> yeah, that's in every movie, by the way, that he made. It's the same. Yeah, well, that that's his charm, right? And and you um, know, it even got to the point where he was playing, and they'd give him explan, they'd give him these sort of um, credits as uh, in, in the in the plot somehow as being foreign but then by the time they made like true lies his name was like frank smith or something and he was supposed to be an american guy and they just stopped <laughs> right. mentioning that he right said, he just gave like, up you know, right like right people uh, just had accepted it to the point where you know his accent yeah. was 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 expected yeah. they were used yeah to he's it. american now they got he? used to it um I don't know. I, I think I think Milius made a lot of good choices. There's not a lot of mistakes in this movie, and it flows fast. Like it's two hours, and to me, it goes very, very fast. There's a little bit of slowness in the middle, but most of the movie is sort of big. You go from sort of big set piece to big set piece to big set piece. And I, I my favorite scene in the whole movie is is the uh, assault on Thalsa Dune's palace, where they are all covered in body paint. Yeah. Not when they assault the. Um, the tower when they're in the actual palace and they have the enormous fight over the uh, the uh, the vat of human stew the the cannibalistic orgies going on but that fight scene is terrific from yeah. from start to bottom yes it's very uh, brisk and i think the movie it and speeds the music up as it right goes. there is great it does yeah. speed up and the music there that's when the real sort of the fight theme is sort of played to its sort of most full effect Right. By the way, did you uh, know that the guy who made this music, Basil Polidurus, also did RoboCop and Starship Troopers? And and when I was sort of thinking about it, you can hear very similar themes in, across a lot of his movies. Also, Hunt for Red October. Also, mm. Red Dawn. Very similar themes across all those movies in terms of his the way he wrote the music. Hmm. Um, one of my favorite shots, by the way, is when uh, Falsa Dune is changing into the snake. Uh, you know, they say that half of acting is not acting, it's reacting. Yeah. They show the, the I guess it's a, a leopard or a tiger or whatever it is, is sees him transforming. And like there's two reaction shots. Like, the room doesn't notice that Thalsa Dune is turning into a snake, and that cat does. Like, it's a great <laughs> bit. You know, like, the cat's like, his eyes go wide, like, what is happening here? Right. Uh, I know they they basically went and shot a cat somewhere else and just cut yeah, it. Yeah, that's okay. It's, it's, um, well, they made yeah, it pretty much on the that. cheap, you know. Yeah, and it did well financially. Apparently, I read somewhere that it was one of the biggest selling VHS tapes when it was released on video. It was one of the biggest selling VSH, VHS tapes up to that time. Right. Um, so they made they made about half as much on videotape as they did from ticket sales. Again, on top of it. Yeah. It's said that 
the multiple home media releases over the years, it says the film grossed more than three hundred million by two thousand seven. I don't know. That's what Wikipedia said, but that's a lot. Oh yeah, but I, I think that sort of I think that sort of gets to the VHS issue. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And those VHS tapes, by the way, back in the blockbuster days, those tapes were like seventy five, oh, twenty, bucks. thirty bucks. No, so they were more. more yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess in nineteen eighty two, they were a lot of money. Um. I guess they were recorded on SP. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, you know, what's interesting is the woman who played Valeria. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, uh, John Millis also wrote Jeremiah Johnson, which we've mentioned on this podcast <laughs> a couple of times. Um, Arnold was not up for that role. <laughs> no, <laughs> especially in the 70s. Um <laughs> But, you know, what's interesting is about Sandra Bergdahl, like, she doesn't act a lot after this. Like, she, sorry, Sandal Bergman, I call yeah. her Sandra Bergdahl. I switched the, the phonemes of her name. Um, she, doesn't, she doesn't do a ton of acting after this. I mean, she's in some stuff, but nothing really big. And she never achieves this level of success again, even though she acts for about another 10 years. Yeah. I don't know. I thought she was pretty good. I don't know. I, by the way, I do love that, that she appears as a Valkyrie at the end right right she steps in and prevents him from being killed at the battle at the rocks and then she utters a line awfully uh and she says do you want to live forever <laughs> sort of echoing uh rico and uh uh mr ratchak right out of starship troopers yeah you know yeah. it was interesting like as she said that i was like whoa we've heard that very recently and I love the way that she's seen as a Valkyrie, and then there's no explanation. Like, all of a sudden, she's Nordic-looking, <laughs> right, with that hat. Yeah. And then she's there. She, yeah, you just, you, you're fine with it. You're fine with the whole thing. They take, you know, they, they just take um, from everywhere, you know. In the, in yeah, the, and that's the okay. Script. But that is fine. It's just this general sort of heroic stew. The one thing that they didn't have in this uh, that would have been very, very Conan is a scene aboard a ship. A lot of the Conan novels uh, feature Conan essentially as a pirate or a brigand, and there's many, many shipboard Conan novels. And like, it would have been interesting if they had had some sort of shipboard scene, but I guess that was too much to do. Um, I read, by the way, that uh, Valerie Knessen, who played Osric's daughter, yeah. who's chained to the rocks, who kind of becomes their ally a little bit at the end. She helps sort of sneak them in. Right. Um, she died just a little bit after this in a car accident. Huh. Yeah. So so she died very young. She was only 31 when she died. Um, and Jerry Lopez, who plays uh, his sidekick, the thief and archer. Yeah. Uh, he's a surfer. He was basically a professional surfer who Milius befriended when uh, he made a Big Wednesday, which was his sort of big surfing movie. Nice. And that's how he ended up in this movie. And apparently James Earl Jones and um, Max von Sydow ended up in the movie because they, needed, they knew they needed some sort of big stars to offset all the unknowns in the movie. Right. And apparently both von Sydow and Jones uh, were sought out by Schwarzenegger, who basically said, how can you teach me how to act and they apparently gave him on the fly acting lessons on the set right which is an interesting idea they're probably also both cheap <laughs> i don't know james Earl jones was probably pretty big in 82 i mean this is the height of star wars no, his voice right? was big but i don't know about him yeah, still um 
Yeah, I don't know about Max von Sydow then, but I don't know. I mean, it's such a good movie, and it, it actually makes it so much harder to watch Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, I don't think I'm uh, which see it. which has it's not worth seeing, and it has absolutely none of the charge. Milius, I don't believe Milius directed it. It has none of the charm of this movie. It has a lot of slapstick and cheap humor. Um, and it, it, it's kind of like, other than a few scenes, it's mostly a flop. Uh, although ironically it made more money than this thing. Of course. Well, it was much, he was more known. It was more promoted. Isn't right. that the and one I where never, Conan becomes a teacher and has to like teach <laughs> kindergarten or something like that? Wasn't that Conan the Destroyer? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. But it's where Conan has to, he's running around at Christmas time trying to get the, the doll for his kid. Um, <laughs> Uh, have you ever seen the Jason Momoa, Conan the Barbarian? It's no. About, it's about six years ago now, maybe a little bit more. I never saw it either, but it goes. It was absolutely raked over the coals in the press. It was apparently terrible. Hmm. Uh, I never saw it, but it, it's 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 very very poorly regarded, and it invents a totally different backstory for Conan. Um, nobody wants to do the actual Conan. Uh, Conan story. Yeah, the Conan the Destroyer is directed by Richard Fleischer, which is interesting because he's actually a pretty good director. He did Fantastic Voyage and Soylent Green, uh, among other movies. But, uh, oh boy, is Conan the Destroyer a big letdown. You can't win um, them all. No, you should get certain. Arnie back to do, you know, now at 70 to do a like a, another Conan movie where he's an old king or something. And it was, it's, you right. know, that's what they should so do they now. So they try. So so Schwarzenegger has said for years he would love to revisit Conan, uh, uh, and there's there was actually a script written. I believe it's called King Conan uh, that floated around, but they could mm. never get it made. Conan the Metamucil. Um, I read, by the way, an interesting story about Arnie uh, is that you know they 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 contracted him in '79 and he started working out again and he had already retired. He had retired from bodybuilding then. Then. Yeah. He um, got into such good shape, he entered Mr. Olympia at the last minute, and he won. It was basically a scandal in the world of bodybuilding that people basically said, like, like was he really the best? Did they throw it to him because he was the big celebrity? Right. Um, and then he retired. But it's like if you read stuff online to this day about 1980 Mr. Olympia, people are still irate about it. And basically almost everyone feels like Schwarzenegger shouldn't have won. Uh, but they kind of threw it to him. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, By the and way, then, so when he showed up to make the movie, wait, when he showed up to make the movie, he was too big. Right. And and he couldn't like hold his arms up high enough. He couldn't hold his arms over his head. Like right. he was so big. And they said, "You're too big." And he had to lose weight from his Mr. Olympia weight to to make this movie. And he's enormous in this. Right. No, he he only gradually gets smaller. You know, throughout through the 80s and uh, 90s. Even in Terminator, which I think is 84, he's still monstrously huge. Yeah, he, he you know, I mean, he was still probably working out four hours a day. You know, he couldn't just oh, yeah. stop till, you know, I mean, he probably went from instead of like eight or ten hours, he went down to four, you know, <laughs> yeah. seriously. No, I'm sure. You should, I'm telling you, when you read his biography, his autobiography, he talks all about sort of like his crazy workout regimens. It's insane. Um, yeah. He used to bench press like 600 pounds. 
which is ridiculous. They're like 500 um, something. I don't know. It was ridiculous. I mean, he was, he was incredible. Like, and, and apparently that's his real hair in this movie. He's not wearing a wig. He grew his hair out for like three years for this thing. Yeah. Well, I, I actually mean, thought it was a wig. When they show him from above pushing the wheel, I thought, oh, he's wearing a wig. But then I read afterwards that no, 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 no. A lot of people thought he was wearing a wig, but he wasn't. No, I mean, there's a bunch of scenes where it looks too good to be a wig. I was, I was thinking, like, did they have extensions back then that looked real enough? Like, I bet they didn't. So then I was thinking, wow, he must have just grown out his hair. Yeah, no, no, no. He, that's good. You know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, Conan's, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, somebody's big when they're big next to Schwarzenegger because she's really tall in real life. And then some of these guys are like, he, who's the, there's a football player. Who's the football player in the movie? Uh, the football player looks like a giant next to Schwarzenegger. Um, oh, like oh, one of the villains? Yeah, yeah. One of the two guys is an NFL player. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Um, anyway. I don't know. I, I think it holds up extremely well. And, you know, it's it's genuinely fun. Like, you really have a good time watching it. And it's it really feels like you're on a great adventure. Right. It's, it's you know, and you, and you know that it's a movie. You know that they're running around. And you just sort of, you forgive all of its sort of excesses and transgressions because it's done in such a good spirit. You know, like, you want to be... You want to be sort of on the road with these guys having adventures, you know, going from town to town fighting. It's it's good. It's well. It's very well done. Yeah, I gotta say that, um, you know, when when you when you suggested uh, doing this, I thought like, oh boy, because I hadn't seen it in, in so long. I mean, since the eighties, right? So, <laughs> but it really was. It really was good. You know, no question. It's certainly worth. Um, finding and seeing there's no question yeah worth two hours of your life definitely don't see don't see conan the destroyer though no see the original and you know it's it's one of those it really is one of those rare movies that it really like even the look of it holds up like 95 percent. you know it just uh it's it's very uh like the kids today, as they say, would actually not be (laughs) not be revolted watching it you know i mean it uh actually looks good Um, Oh, it looks great. And, you know, it's filmed on good film stock and it's all done on location with very, very few set scenes and they're outdoors running around. Yeah, no, it looks good. It looks good. Uh, Should we wrap there? Yeah, let's wrap. All righty. Can you say something with an Austrian accent? Because I tried and failed. (laughs) Get to the chopper. (laughs) Der, when from a kindergarten cop, the line, der horrible. It's not a tumor. That's right. <laughs> it's not a tumor. Uh, well, I will tell you, though, you know, I liked Arnie before and watching this makes reminds me of all the reasons why I like Arnie. Yeah, he was really he's good. He was really he was really good. He could act. And he, he could he could act. He could fight. He could do comedy. What else is there? Seriously. And he's massive. Right. Next movie he'll sing. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, should we wrap? No, we'll see you next time.